0: Jeff Passan, our resident MLB connoisseur, spring training is here. You are live in Venice, Florida. Preseason games are underway. What does this time of year mean to you, sir? It means hope. It means
1: sun. It means that finally we are all emerging from a long winter, Clinton. In Major League Baseball, let me tell you, This was a particularly long winter that continues on uh, in terms of free agency. But the idea that we have so many different possibilities for a new season, you've got the returning champions in the Texas Rangers. You've got the Los Angeles Dodgers who went out and spent a billion dollars to bring in Shohei Otani and Yoshinobu Yamamoto. You've got the Yankees with Juan Soto. And you've got the Braves looking to do what they did a couple years back. It's just a wonderful time of year and every baseball fan right now is just waiting for opening day.
0: A billion there, not hyperbole, actual numbers. We know not to look too closely at stats and performances, obviously, this time of year. But as an expert, what are you looking at this spring? I'm looking at the changes
1: across the landscape, Clinton. And, you know, sometimes it's big changes with... Otani moving up the five. And as recently as we saw the the deals that have been going down in free agency, you know, Cody Bellinger. Yeah. Going back to the Chicago Cubs. But more than that, I'm looking for the little changes. You know, Tyler Glasnow is throwing a two-seam fastball now. It comes in at 99 miles per hour. If we thought he was unfair when he was with the Tampa Bay Rays, what he could be with the Dodgers and really what the Dodgers could be period is exciting and tantalizing and and all of those things that when we're heading into a new season we want to see. And so uh, to me it's 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 the changes that are in the game right now that are are pervasive and really striving to make it even better than it was last year. And I think 2023 was a great season for Major League Baseball.
0: In recent years, it feels like the conversation around Major League Baseball has been about everything but the action on the field. And that hasn't changed as spring training kicks into gear. Instead of looking at position battles and players debuting with new teams, we're facing a team trying to relocate, having no home for the future, a commissioner who wants to step down and wants expansion in place before that day comes. And a debate about pants, of all things. So today, Jeff Paston tries to put a button on everything bubbling up off the field so that we can get ready to talk baseball legit. From here on out, I'm Clinton Yates. It's Monday, February 26th. This is ESPN Day. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to, say, 100 bucks and below. You can also sort by category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats Headphones Polaroid cameras and samsung smart TVs so what are you waiting for Mother's day is May 12th and it'll be here before you know it Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year head to Macy's.com slash giftfinder today that's Macy's.com slash giftfinder so as tempting as it is to jump into position battles and player debuts Jeff there have been a handful of Extremely big off-the-field topics and conversation all winter long. We're going to tackle them here. Starting for now with the Oakland, air quotes, athletics. The plan is for them to move to Las Vegas. It's kind of in full swing, but what exactly is happening here? It's
1: a disaster. Um, Really, from top to bottom, the way that it has been executed, the way that it continues to just look like Uh, a clown car that's depositing, you know, a bunch of bozos out there to try and take care of adult business. We're talking about a Major League Baseball franchise here, not just a Major League Baseball franchise, but one that's been around for a long, long time and has a lot of history, whether it's in Philadelphia, where they started, or Kansas City, where they went, but especially now in Oakland. And and the notion that the A's are just up and moving, it, it still feels a little bit weird, even though we've known for months that this move to Vegas was supposed to happen. The issue, of course, is what's plagued them as they've tried to get a stadium in Oakland for the last two decades. There just tends to be ineptitude when it comes to the way that this organization is run from the top. And John Fisher, the owner there, is, as big of a punching bag as there is in Major League Baseball right now, because not only is he moving the A's or trying to move the A's, but he's trying to move them to a city that really doesn't seem very interested in them. And to see the the passion from Oakland fans and then to contrast that with the mayor of Las Vegas saying, you know, they should probably stay in Oakland.
0: I love the people from Oakland and
1: I think they deserve to have their team. I personally think they've got to figure out a way to stay in Oakland and make their dream come true. Oh, boy. Like, you know, when, when that's what you have, Clinton, when you have the mayor of the city that they're moving to suggesting that this, this ain't a good idea. That tells you all you need to know about the A's, and this is just the beginning. That's the wild part of it, because they've got a lot of other problems to handle over the next few years before this is even a reality.
0: Jeff, explain this to me like I'm five then. Vegas already has two other ballparks, one of which is defunct, and they're trying to build another one for this team to play. Where are they going to play? <laughs> like, on a basic level.
1: Yeah, it's the million-dollar question right now because there are some complications here in determining where the A's go next. Their lease with Oakland Coliseum is up after the 2024 season, and you would think, okay, well, they they own the stadium, Right. Actually, the the A's own half the stadium. The other half is owned by the city of Oakland. And you can imagine the city of Oakland doesn't feel too fondly toward the A's who are just willing to go and abscond from that city. And so you've got that mixed together with the truth, Clinton, which is that, yes, it would make the most sense for them to stay in Oakland because Their deal with Comcast Sportsnet California gives them $70 million a year in local television money. That the second they go somewhere else, whether it is Sacramento or Salt Lake City or a minor league park in Las Vegas or Wahoo, Nebraska, it doesn't matter where they play, if it's not in a specific designated area, they're giving up tens of millions of dollars a year. And one thing we know, John Fisher, doesn't like giving up tens of millions of dollars a year. So it's a conundrum at this point. Do you go somewhere where you are going to make less money or do you stay in the place that really doesn't want you very much and is going to twist the screws to get the best deal possible and give you the organization the worst deal? It's a a catch-22
0: at this point. Jeff, this whole mess is taken on an added importance because Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, he recently said that he'll be stepping down at the end of his current five-year term as the commish and that he hopes to have a plan in place for expansion when that does happen. You think they'd need to have a place for the A's settled before that next step. (laughs) How is now possibly a good time to be talking about growth of the league?
1: Uh, I think it's a reasonable thing, Clinton, because we're in the period uh, in Major League Baseball history. It's the largest span in between expansion franchises since 1961. You know, 1901 to 1961, Major League Baseball had 16 teams. They expanded in 61 to 18, and they moved on pretty rapidly to get to 30. And the plan the whole time was to get to 32 uh, but, you know, the other priorities have clearly uh, been ahead of that in the line. But now this is a legacy play for Rob Manfred. I think between expansion and realignment, it's something that is becoming a priority, but probably not until closer to 2030, Clinton, because you're right. They need to figure out where the A's are. They need to figure out if the Tampa Bay Rays are going to get a new stadium in St. Petersburg. They need to get through the collective bargaining agreement that expires after the 2026 season. Like, there there are a lot of boxes to check before expansion comes, and the parties that are involved acknowledge that. Uh, They're going to be patient because the benefit of having a Major League Baseball franchise
0: is worth the wait. I'm going to whisper this into the microphone. MLB, if you get to 32 teams, go to four divisions per side. It's easy. Anyways, what cities, Jeff, are at the top of the list to potentially land a team, and who do you think are the front runners right now? Nashville's an obvious choice, Clint.
1: They have an ownership group, not, not a majority owner yet, but an ownership group that has been in place for years in Music City Baseball. Uh, they've done, I think, a really good job of building up this Nashville Stars brand an homage to the Negro Leagues which they've embraced they have the demographics they have the the financial wherewithal in the city to get the sorts of sponsorships necessary to uh to run a good franchise Uh, they've got everything and guys want to play in Nashville Uh, you know as much as Arizona and Florida tend to be off-season homes for major league baseball players a lot of guys have been moving to Nashville in recent years, and I think it would be a very popular landing spot. Rob Manfred wants to have one team that's more East Coast based and one that's West Coast. The second team that's emerged, frankly, to my surprise, and, and that of many others, is Salt Lake City. Now, you would think because Salt Lake City's metropolitan area is 1.2 million, which is you know the smallest by far in Major League Baseball, that... Demographics might be an issue, but when you pull out the, you know, the the map a little bit and you look at the populations of the surrounding cities within an hour, the population, it's actually, you know, well over two million. Beyond that, you have whether it's the Utah Jazz or Real Salt Lake, fervent support for your local professional sports teams in Salt Lake City. And beyond that, what they have in their favor is an ownership group that is tried, true, tested, and respected. Larry Miller was the longtime owner for for the Utah Jazz, and while he passed a few years ago, his family has continued in the sports property area. They own the AAA team, and they're building a new stadium now. And beyond that. Uh, They have pledged three and a half billion dollars to build a mixed use development that would include a stadium. That's uh, the renderings of it are just absolutely gorgeous. And so a lot can change over the next five years. There's no question about that. But I think if it were to be chosen today, Nashville and Salt Lake would take precedent over San Jose, uh, Portland, Montreal, Charlotte uh austin orlando mexico city you know the cities rather that that have been mentioned as
0: potential expansion franchises in the past let's drill down on nashville i've heard a lot of names thrown around that have been involved in the potential ownership group many of whom are black folks how important is it that major league baseball focuses on diversifying ownership within the sport you know it's certainly not
1: the chief priority for the league What we've seen has been plain and simple. Whoever is willing to pay the most money for a franchise tends to get it. And whether that's David Rubenstein with the Baltimore Orioles, Steve Cohen with the New York Mets, we can go on and on. Uh, You know, it comes down to the money. That being said, the ownership group that has been formed in Nashville has luminaries in it. Bob Kendrick from the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum and Dave Stewart from the oakland A's and former general manager of the arizona diamondbacks what they don't have is a majority owner at this point they're still looking for the money man that's going to be a process that probably plays out over the next year or so but they've got people in place right now who i i think really represent the best of the sport and that is what baseball should be embracing above all who are The stewards that are going to take the sport to the right place and are going to represent potentially Nashville the way that Nashville warrants being represented.
0: Beyond the obvious, adding two teams to the league, what else might this mean for the game? You heard me whispering earlier about how they might realign the divisions, but in detail, how do you think this is going to play out if this does get to 32? You know, there are two ways you
1: can go about this, Clint. The first way, like you said, you can have four four team divisions in each league and You know, if if the playoffs remain at 12, you can get four division winners and two wild cards from each league. The wild thing that could be in play here is radical realignment, where you just essentially blow up the the league structure that's been in place forever in service of uh, less travel, more convenience, uh, regional rivalries. I mean, can you imagine a division, Clinton, that has the Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees, New York Mets, Philadelphia Phillies, the, that whole East Coast block. Or it, We could do that whether it's an eight-team division or even a four-team division. The, the possibilities are endless, and there, there's no consensus at MLB right now on how they're going to uh, form things when they do expand, just that there will be expansion, and that's a problem that they got to figure out.
0: Let me ask you to put on your opinion hat here for a second, Jeff. We are around the same age and we are probably, how do I say this, the generation that is the youngest that would care the most about what would happen to the history and the rivalries of the game if this massive realignment were to occur. But do you like that idea? Is that something that you think is actually viable for fans to be and growth of the game in general for the league?
1: I'm not smart enough to answer that question
0: because I
1: I honestly don't know what sort of effect realignment would have. What I do know is that we are malleable creatures. We adjust. Now, baseball fans, maybe more than any subsegment of society I've ever seen, hold grudges when you mess around with history and it's the sort of thing that certainly is and should be on Major League Baseball's mind. But I'll offer a question that's mostly rhetorical. Would you really stop watching baseball, general fan, because of the way that the divisions are structured? If that's the case, I'm not sure you like baseball that much.
0: Coming up. MLB is five years away from a watershed moment. The NFL schedule drops this week, kiddos, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with vivid seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Delicious meat, nutritious. Well, the good news is not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, wonderful pistachios has got you covered. Grab wonderful pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Mr. Paston, I'd like to back up for a second here because we mentioned that Rob Manfred has an expiration date in mind. He'll be 70 years old at the end of this current term as MLB commissioner. Looking ahead, how do you think he's going to be remembered? Hashtag legacy Twitter. Well, if I were a prisoner of the moment, I might
1: say see-through pants, but I think we'll probably get to that later. Uh, Rob Manfred's legacies. As anyone who's been in the job for a decade like he has now, it's, it's complicated. I think the pitch clock is going to be one of those fundamental changes in baseball history that we look at and say, how did this game exist without this thing that was helping it move along at the pace that it now does? But man it's hard to look past the houston astros isn't it like the the 2017 astros the sign stealing scandal the the bungling of how the league handled it and and giving immunity to players in exchange for truthful testimony when all the truth that they needed they found without the players
0: every complaint about sign stealing whether it involved the houston astros or another club um was investigated by our office real-time. In some of those cases, we found violations and we disciplined them. In others, um, we did not find evidence of violations. Now, I'm the first to admit that can happen for either of two reasons. Either there was no violation or we were unable to find it.
1: That's the sort of thing that hangs over Rob Manfred and will continue to. frankly, Clinton, the the debacle that is the Oakland As move right now certainly has to be on that list too. In terms of where he uh, ranks in history, you know, this is like presidential ranking debates. There aren't quite as many, but uh, you know he's he's probably going to end up somewhere in the middle and the the fact that the game is frankly in a really good place right now. Um, I, I think it behooves him when it comes to legacy because uh, he's overseen a, a very complicated time in this game where our attention is bifurcated and where there's never been more options for you to spend both your time and your entertainment dollar. And while Major League Baseball is not the, you know, the overwhelming force in our sporting landscape that it once was, uh, its resonance is still very
0: real. The Astros situation is summed up in one particular line from Rob Manfred that I will never forget, which is when he said this, it's just a piece of metal, referring to the Commissioner's Trophy. One of the craziest things I've ever heard from a guy running a league, but that's just me. I referred to the World Series trophy in a disrespectful way. And I want to apologize for that. There's no excuse for it. Um, I made a mistake. I was trying to make a point, but I should have made it in a more effective way. What do you think it's going to mean for the sport to have Manfred step down when he does in terms of the chronology? You know, I think we'll have a
1: better answer to that over the next five years as we get a little closer. Let, let's remember, Bud Selig said he was retiring like two or three times and came back. So I'm not treating this like it's a fait accompli. Rob Manfred will be gone in 2029. Oh. It's just that, it, you know, if things are going well at that point and ownership believes that changing the commissioner would be potentially deleterious to business, they're going to do everything they can to keep Manfred on. But uh, if it does go down the way that it does, seeing who his successor is will be absolutely fascinating. Because, uh, you know, you wonder, is, is Major League Baseball going to do the sort of thing where they go with an internal candidate like they did last time? Rob Manfred was deputy commissioner. He'd been with the league for well over a decade. Or is it potentially somebody from the outside, whether it's an owner or whether it's a business person? Um, you know, it, to me, who Major League Baseball selects as the next commissioner, and when I say Major League Baseball, I mean the owners who vote on it, will give a really good sense of where the owners believe the game is now and where they want to take it.
0: I see you very tactfully referred to certain people without throwing out any names as to not be journalistically irresponsible. That's why we bring Jeff Passon on. But we also know the owners are very fickle. You know, they might sell the team one day and then guess what? They won't. It's happened twice now in the last two years. So who knows what's going to happen there? I understand where you're coming from in that point. Okay. We can now approach the game between the lines. We saw a couple of big names in the league make some noise, but the market is also moving painfully slow. As of this recording, former MVP Cody Bellinger just signed that three-year deal with the Cubs that you referred to earlier. Blake Snell, two-time Cy Young winner, still unsigned. Jomo, Jordan Montgomery, World Series hero, still unsigned. How do you react to a hot stove that ain't cracking anymore, Jeff?
1: Well, I I mean, we've had, like, solar flares, you know? It's been (laughs) kind of warm at points in the offseason. There was a $700 million contract that done, and there was a you know a guy who's never thrown a pitch in Major League Baseball who signed for more than any pitcher in Major League Baseball history. Whew. So thank you Dodgers, um, but the rest of it, it's you know it's alarming. I think for for Major League Baseball players because free agency has forever been uh, the Valhalla that they try to locate, and for some guys, it certainly has worked out well for Cody Bellinger. Yeah, you, you know, it wasn't so great. And, well, you know, when Scott Boris is your agent, he's going to anchor high and hold firm. And so I, I think looking at the commonality among all of these players, which is their agent, on one hand, you can suggest that uh, a hand was overplayed. Uh, on the other hand, uh, and I, I think both of these points are fair and they can exist at the same time, teams aren't spending quite like they have in the past. Uh, it's, it's daunting for anyone who's trying to take an elite free agent out into the market.
0: Last thing I'll ask you here, Jeff, and quite frankly, we could have talked about this for the entire episode, but we're going to get to it now. The biggest issue, at least on Twitter and frankly, on the backfields and at the yards, I was talking to guys about this earlier this week, the new MLB uniforms designed by Nike, manufactured by Fanatics. People have been complaining all over the place. Fans, players, equipment guys, smaller fonts, flimsy fabric, just a lower quality overall, and do not go search on Twitter some of the more obscene photos that you might find. This felt like almost a joke when it came up. How serious of a problem is this? Because to me, this is a five-alarm fire. It sure seems like that, and
1: it's interesting to see Major League Baseball's reaction. They're doubling down. Like, uh, they seem to have no problem with these current uniforms. And I think we have two issues with the uniforms here. Uh, Number one is the aesthetics. You you wouldn't think that shrinking the lettering for a player on the back of his jersey would have as demonstrable an effect on the aesthetics of it as it does. I, I think the closest facsimile to this, Clinton, is do you remember those Great Britain uniforms from the World Baseball Classic last
0: year? Yes, but what we're not going to do, Jeff, is jump on the good folks from the British Baseball Federation. Their manager, my guy Drew Spencer, had to answer for their uniforms while he was trying to coach an overmatched team at that WBC. We remember, again, we were there, and they had like a total budget of twenty five grand to work with. So lay off them. I'm just saying, what we have (laughs) learned
1: is that tiny lettering on professional sports jerseys looks like amateur hour yes and and that was you know that was the first sin here major league baseball the greatest baseball league in the world one of the four main men's professional sports in north america an 11 to 12 billion dollar a year industry they can't get the clothes right like they can't get the lettering right it is that really where we should be right now? And the answer apparently is yes, because even after all of the consternation about the tops, then came the bottoms and that's when it (laughs) really got ugly. When we started seeing junk, like actually seeing it, it was like, hold on a second, what are we doing here? This is the sort of thing, and Tyler Kepner from The Athletic, I think put it perfectly. When you have this kind of reaction, you come out and you say, we screwed up. We obviously see that this is problematic. We listen to our fans. We will have this fixed by opening day. And I'm still holding out hope that that's the case because I'm sorry, Uh, manufacturing 1,500 or so shirts and pants that have bigger lettering and not see-through fabric shouldn't be that difficult for a company the size of Fanatics and for a a place like Major League Baseball, where if the the top story in your spring training is that you have see-through pants, fix it. It ain't that hard. One word, debacle. Thank you, (laughs) Jeff. Always a pleasure, Clinton. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm Clinton Yates. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow, kiddos.